Hello and welcome to episode 3 of Studio Geeks. Today we'll be talking about what's new in pop culture. I'm Man and I'm Ron and this week we're talking about the new mutants. This is a spoiler alert. We'll be talking about the entire film including the ending. So if you haven't watched it yet, please watch the whole thing and then come back and listen to our podcast. Please note, we will be discussing triggering content as contained within the film, so please proceed with caution. This film was initially intended for release in 2018, having been filmed in 2017, but it languished in production hell till 2020. This year, it finally hit theaters, but because it was in the middle of the pandemic, most of us didn't go and watch it. Now that it's out on digital, we have some thoughts. The film begins with Danielle Moonstar played by Blue Hunt escaping the decimation of her village. She wakes up in a rehabilitation center which is for mutants. She is one of five students being supervised by Dr. Cecilia Reyes played by Alice Braga. The other students are Eliana Rasputin played by Anya Taylor-Joy, Rain Sinclair played by Macy Williams, Roberto da Costa played by Henry Zaga, and Sam Guthrie played by Charlie Heaton. Let's talk about plot. The film follows as Danielle gets to know these other mutants around her, tries to figure out what her power is, and tries to survive Dr. Reyes's experiments. There isn't much plot to speak of. It's very much a setup film, though there isn't any reason for us to believe that there's going to be a new mutants too. The majority of the film is spent uh, with Danielle getting to know her fellow mutants and and exploring their relationships. Though I would say that even there the film doesn't really do a great job. Yeah, there's a huge focus on the central relationship between Danny and Rain, but the other characters, they sort of just there. They're more antagonistic or just in the background, so it doesn't really develop her relation with them. Yes, it comes across very much like the new girl being bullied, especially by Eliana, though that really doesn't do justice to the character as she appears in the comics. So that was a bit of a surprise. Speaking of the backstories of these characters, we would say that Rain Sinclair probably is the only one who has a similar backstory to the one that she has in the comics. In the comics, Rain comes from a small, very religious community and they freak out when she turns into a werewolf because of her mutation. That backstory remains the same in the film except now she is branded a witch. I didn't mind that particular inclusion. I think that made sense within the scope of the story. But the other characters, there is no similarity between their stories in the film and how we got to know them in the comic books. Let's start with Danny herself. Why is there no mother in the picture? In the Demon Bear storyline, which this movie is based on, Danny loses both her parents, and that actually does play a very large part in the conclusion. But the film only focuses on her father in the very opening scene which was not edited very well and we see him later on as well. Let's talk about Roberto. I have to say I was so so disappointed in Roberto da Costa in this film. Sunspot was my favorite new mutant and the character in the film doesn't resemble the comic book character at all, especially not his backstory which plays such an important part in not only his mutant powers But the way he engages with the world, I think the first warning that they wouldn't be doing Berto correctly was the casting of Henry Zaga. I'm sure Zaga is a very good actor. I haven't seen him in anything else, but I'm sure he's very talented. 
Unfortunately, he doesn't look anything like Sunspot in the comics. There is one integral part of his character arc that is completely missing from this film because Zaga has been cast in it. Let me explain. In the comics, Roberto da Costa belongs to a very rich family. He doesn't really understand his privilege, but he is also very dark-skinned. Because of this, despite his privilege, he is bullied. While being bullied by fellow classmates, his mutant power activates. Berto in the comics is Afro-Latino, but they refused to cast an actor who reflected the same heritage in the film, and that really does him a great disservice. Race is an important part of Berto's characterization in the comics, but it's completely forgotten. And the backstory that Berto is given in the film is boring. It is staid, and it is another example of fridging. In the film, Sunspot's powers activate when he is having a romantic moment with his girlfriend, thus killing her in the most awful way possible. So not only do they erase an extremely important part of his characterization, but they fridge his girlfriend, who is then used as horror movie material later on. Let's move on to Sam Guthrie. So Sam is kind of the pseudo leader in the comics. He's conveniently the leader because I feel like the writers at the time weren't sure who they could give it to, so they gave it to the southern white guy. <laughs> in the comics, he's very happy. He's a very positive guy. He's had hardships in his life, but he never lets it bring him down. He struggles with his powers. He's a cannonball, quite literally, and it's a difficult power to master. The film touches on the fact that Sam still struggles with mastering his power, but he's given this broody, overly dark backstory, which doesn't do the character any justice. Actually, Sam's storyline in the film really should have come with some kind of warning, because Sam is essentially self-harming throughout. He's in a cast constantly. He is seen punching himself. It's quite disturbing to watch what's happened, and it comes without context. And we'll come to the fact that a lot of what happens in the film is without context. What we learn is that Sam was working in the mines with his father and several other men, and his powers accidentally activated, and he killed not only the other men but also his father. And he's obviously struggling with what happened, and he's taking it out on himself. He's not able to grow, learn, or attach himself to anybody. So this was a huge departure again from the comics. And then finally, we come to Eliana, whose backstory is also extremely different from the comics. When we first meet her, she is she's a very small child who ends up in limbo and spends her formative years in that hellhole. When she's rescued, which is which is a few seconds after her disappearance, she's a teenager. None of that obviously made it into this film, understandably, because the budgets would not have allowed for it. Though we do get glimpses of limbo. However, Ilyana's backstory over here appears to be about her being trapped somewhere and being abused. What did you think about her backstory? I didn't feel like it was necessary to have that kind of backstory. What I will say is that this was the subtlest way of suggesting any kind of assault or abuse on any character. They really worked hard to be sensitive to the topic. But at the same time, we have to ask: Why did Ilyana need that backstory in the first place? Why couldn't she just come from a poor Russian home? Why couldn't it be like a Dostoevsky story? She didn't need that kind of background, and I also felt like there were maybe one too many hints about what happened to her. 
I understand the need to maybe pare down Ileana's rather complicated fantastical comic book origins but they went the other extreme by making it a little too realistic. They tried to marry some of the realistic elements of childhood abuse that we see in real life with the fantastical elements of her childish imagination of what these monsters were. I think that worked. for them to keep coming back and for us to keep seeing small Ileana in that room there were one too many moments of that that would have been triggering for anybody who had been in that situation in their life so basically there are two instances in this film where they should have added content warnings and they had 3 years to do that but they didn't that's not the only thing that they didn't fix in the 3 years the cgi is terrible And when you're talking about a comic book adaptation especially with the new mutants who are relatively more fantastical and have more imaginative powers that require a lot of special effects I was disappointed with what we saw we didn't actually see their powers in action as much as we saw some of the horror elements and I'm sorry but that is the worst CGI I have seen after people have been touting how hard they've been working to make this product the best product that they can It honestly feels like this movie was made somebody forgot about what to do with it uh, and then they just kept playing hot potato with it. They didn't embellish it nothing. It's not like they tried very hard to make it a, the best story possible. And I think the other problem is that from the very first previews people had strong reactions to Zaga to Heaton There were a lot of New Mutants readers who were upset that an Afro-Latino character had been replaced by somebody who was lighter skinned. This is colorism. And 2020 may have put colorism on, in the spotlight, but in 2017, this was definitely something that people knew about. There was also a lot of concern about Heaton's casting. He was hot off the success of Stranger Things. Makes sense to cast him in a movie like this. but he doesn't fit Sam Guthrie at all. I was extremely disappointed in Zaga and Heaton in this film. Not only did they not look like the characters, they had so little to do. The burden of carrying this film really fell on Blue Hunt and Maisie Williams. They did a good job, but there were also a lot of problematic elements around them. So whatever they were doing was undone. For instance, Ileana, she is unnecessarily antagonistic towards Danny. She's also racist. She keeps calling her Pocahontas. Yeah, I found that very disturbing. I didn't see any need for that. Absolutely not. 2017 was a one year after Trump was elected. He made a lot of Pocahontas comments soon after coming into power, and a lot of people were very, very upset about that, and they were very vocal about that. Why would they put this into the movie? I think uh, the whole Pocahontas thing in the film is kind of reflective of how the director seems quite blinkered in his view. We have the Zaga issue. We have the racist comments against Danny Moonstar as well. But there's a character missing in this film from the comics and she's integral. Shan Kai Man, who is the mutant Karma, is a Vietnamese immigrant who becomes the leader of the group. She is conspicuously missing from this film. Why? Why is the Asian mutant who was such an important part of the comics missing from the film? I understand that for the majority of the Demon Bear storyline, Shan was not there. But if you're making a film which introduces this particular group, you've got to have her. I completely agree with you on that. It makes no sense. You were talking about how Heaton's Guthrie and Zaga's Berto 
really don't do much in the film. I have to say, this is probably the first time I've seen a genre film where the two boys spend most of their time cleaning dishes and washing clothes, whereas the girls seem to be driving the story forward. It's hinted that Beto and Sam are becoming close friends, but we don't really see much of their relationship. There's just one scene where they're having a little bit of fun. But the three girls, there's a lot more to their relationship, especially between Blue Hunt's Danny Moonstar and Maisie Williams' Rain Sinclair. I was pleasantly surprised that from nowhere we got this queer relationship. And it comes off the fact that Blue and Maisie obviously have a lot of chemistry, so the film just went with it. From the very first time that Danny and Rain see each other, there's this connection and it just grows throughout the film and they become a couple. I couldn't believe it. In the books, they're pretty much written as straight. Romance isn't a huge part of their uh, storylines, but that's how they're read. But in this film, it's there from the very beginning. There's a scene soon after Danny wakes up and she's struggling to cope with the death of her father, the death of her entire village. And Rain talks her down and it's really sweet, this interaction between two young people who are struggling to find themselves in a world that doesn't make sense. And it's also a little bit funny. In any other film, one of the characters would have been a man, but here it's two girls. And it's one of the nicest moments in the entire film. Once again, a trigger warning is required, but it's a great moment because we have seen so many superhero films and we're still waiting for those queer characters. And it didn't feel forced at all. It worked because, as you mentioned, the actors had so much chemistry between them. It's a friendly chemistry and the story doesn't try too hard. It makes sure that they come together because they understand each other, because Rain is such a kind character. And Danny needs that at that point. She needs somebody who can just understand. And she also needs to know that other people are also suffering in some way. They, are, they have their own pain so that she can open up herself. And what I also liked was there were no salacious comments, no maliciousness towards their relationship. No gratuitous scenes. <laughs> exactly. Especially when the characters are young. It would have been very disturbing to watch that. We anyway had the whole thing with Ilyana's backstory. And that's one of the things that we really get to see in genre cinema. That even if you have queer characters, if everybody around them is like, Oh, you're queer or you're gay or you're trans, that ruins the moment. Because that is again singling out the marginalized character. We also need to talk about how them being a couple isn't the only driving force behind their story or behind their characterizations. It is a part of what makes them grow and brings them closer. It also plays a part in resolving some of the issues in the plot. Here's the problem. While this beautiful little love story is fleshed out throughout the film, Everything else got left behind. There isn't really anything else. Even if this was supposed to be a character-driven story or a relationship-building story, those are also left by the wayside. Ilyana is antagonistic. When she comes to Danny's aid, it's supposed to be seen as she's coming to help Danny out of newfound love for Danny, but it's not true. And I couldn't actually read it that way. When I was watching the film, I couldn't understand why Ilyana suddenly had this change of heart. Yes, she'd managed to fight the monsters from her childhood that had come to life. But why did that make her feel like she had to fight for Danny? It seemed more like all the other characters, barring Rain, were fighting for survival. I agree. Even Sunspot, when he's in the church, it doesn't seem like he's trying to save Danny 
or he's trying to help the others he's just trying to protect himself and sam seems to have so little control over his powers that whatever he does do is always by accident we've been skirting around the issue of the plot and the problem is that there isn't much for plot here the structure of the story goes something like this danny meets her fellow mutants they try to get to know each other mysterious things seem to be happening and they all seem to be related to everybody's worst fears as the film continues on we realize that those manifestations have a connection with danny and then we finally learn that danny's greatest fear is the demon bear the final arc of the film is the demon bear attacking the facility and danny is incapacitated which leaves the rest of the team to fight off the demon bear and protect her at the same time this brings the team together but it brings them together more for their own survival than for the protection of danny or for any emotional connection that they have to her also the stakes in some ways aren't very high we are used to seeing the very formulaic superhero film where the movie ends on this huge battleground so many faceless people in danger having to be protected and this is much smaller in many ways it's just the five characters trying to fight their own inner demons and that works in some ways but it's also not earned i think the lack of payoff in this film comes from the fact that there's no context to what we're seeing the context always comes after the fact we see sam self harming himself but why we don't find out till several scenes later we see eliana being haunted by these scary creatures but who are they why are they and why do they look like that we also don't get an answer to that also true because everybody else's manifestations they do become more realistic whereas with eliana's for some reason it remains these otherworldly creatures yes i kept thinking that at some point especially in the third act that the monsters would transform into people and we would see that the people who were harming her were actually real men either that or it was all in limbo and they actually did look like that but we don't know because limbo is just hinted at during the last section of the film yes to fight the demon where eliana slips in and out of limbo we get glimpses of a lot of hellfire but not much else the only remaining aspect of limbo that we get in the real world is lockheed who for the longest time is just a stuffed toy and then randomly in one scene he turns into a real dragon as real as bad cgi can make it anyway it made me sad honestly we love lockheed in the comics but also lockheed belongs to kitty so why is lockheed here with iliana i don't know yes i'd argue that was an easter egg that didn't quite belong and seeing lockheed look like that was super disappointing as you said 3 years of trying to get this film on our screens they couldn't fix lockheed that's why i'm telling you that they didn't actually do anything once it was filmed once it was packaged once that first preview came out they just put it on a shelf and waited for it to be released in theaters what were the other comic book elements that you spotted in the film on dr reyes screen we could see essex corp it took me a second when i realized that essex corp meant nathaniel essex aka mr sinister yes and throughout dr reyes kept hinting at how her supervisor was in charge and we knew that she was basically following his orders and since this mysterious character is such a fan favorite and a huge part of the x men comics we were expecting at the end perhaps a little glimpse of the man himself there have been x-men comics where nathaniel essex has been part of the background and then right at the very last panel there he is standing in all his glory we were kind of hoping for that to happen and we waited till the end of the credits 
and nothing. Which was strange because the film actually connected itself to the main X-Men film universe. There are glimpses of where these young mutants are going to be taken. And these are scenes from Logan, where the corporation from which Logan rescued X-23 and the other mutants can be seen. They were obviously hoping for a larger universe, which would include Nathaniel Essex, but it never came to fruition. Which is again making me wonder, what was the point of this film? It doesn't really give us any hope for New Mutants 2. In fact, once they've defeated the demon bear and they've managed to get rid of Dr. Reyes, They're leaving the facility, but they have no idea where they're going. As far as they know, there's nothing around them for miles and miles and miles. So what is the point? My biggest struggle with this film was that the New Mutants do not lend themselves to a film or a film trilogy. The New Mutants should be a TV series. Especially when you have such a large cast of characters. And if you had added the other characters, you would have had a good number of people to follow. That would make for great television. I'm thinking about The Gifted, which was an X-Men spin-off. Unfortunately, it was cancelled after two seasons. I quite enjoyed it. I'm not sure everybody else did, but I did. That showed how an X-Men story in television form could work. The thing with the X-Men universe is that it's an expansive universe and new characters are constantly being added to it. And so you can't reduce that universe to just a few films. While the X-Men films that have come so far Some of them have been very successful. We've also seen how several of the characters were underserved. Cyclops was the leader in the comics. He got short shift in the films. Jean Grey is a very powerful character in the comics. And she spends most of her time standing and waving her arms. And while the main X-Men series can still be carried by a handful of characters, with the new mutants, they are a group. They're a band of youngsters who spend a lot of time getting to know each other and build their friendships together. The whole point of these characters is not just that they have to explore their own powers, they have to explore their own youth. They are young people, they are growing up, they need to find out who they are as people. So what I found is, choosing these characters for a film, be it a one-off or even if it was supposed to be a trilogy, it doesn't work. The new mutants need to have episodic stories where the central theme is that they are trying to connect with each other. And it shouldn't be a horror story. I don't think that worked with this set of characters at all. I understand why they were going with that. Even in the comic books, the demon bear storyline does lend itself to suspense. But it's also very tragic. I think we needed to move away from instilling fear in the viewer and more about bringing in some hope. I also feel like the final product didn't quite live up to the anticipation of the original previews. The first trailer that we saw, it really made it look like the classic horror stories that we're so used to seeing. They're stuck in an asylum and there's scary creatures coming at them. That's not what we got. (laughs) This was Jump Scares, the mutant movie. I'm thinking especially about the sunspot scene in the swimming pool with him and Ileana, which never happens in the comics. And it came off as super gross. I still can't figure out whether that was Ileana or that was his imagination. That's why I'm saying jump scares the mutant movie. In a horror film, you can have your own kind of logic. But that logic needs to follow a certain pattern. That scene didn't follow any pattern. It seemed like an excuse for Henry Zaga to take his clothes off. Which is not necessary in this film. And also to put him and Eliana together as a potential couple, which also didn't work because the two characters had no chemistry and there was no reason for them to want to be together. That was just one of the many, many missteps. 
Surprisingly, I don't feel like this film was the worst film ever made. I wouldn't put it as it was bad. I would say that it was poor choice of subject matter and poor execution. It's not a bad film, it's just boring. It doesn't go beyond its scope. It doesn't try to push any boundaries. The only area where they did something different was with the relationship between Danny and Rain. But aside from that, the story is very limited in its scope. And for that reason, having just seen the film, we are struggling to remember parts of it. So let us know, what did you think about The New Mutants? You can find us on Twitter at Stereo underscore Geeks or send us an email at StereoGeeksPodcast at gmail.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode and see you next week. The Stereo Geeks logo was created using Canva. The music for our podcast comes courtesy Audio Nautil.